Hey, Jonah. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Managed Space Podcast. Um, I'm James McQueen, uh, a marketing analyst at Radius Plus. And one of the things that I love to do about my job is to get to connect with people like you in the industry and sort of discuss self-storage and the way that tech is kind of integrating with it and kind of what your vision is for the self-storage industry. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We're we're excited. Great. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and about what you do? Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll try to tell the, the... mini version first because I'm sure we'll get into some details. Um, we uh, got started about four years ago out of necessity. Um, did you hear some of that feedback? Yeah. <laughs> it stopped. No worries though. Uh, so anyway, we got started out of necessity. Uh, I was working for a family office. Uh, they owned a bunch of retail real estate, stuff like uh, Dollar Generals and Family Dollars and Walgreens and things like that. And uh, we had an empty one go dark uh, for a while. I couldn't figure out what to do with it. It was in a relatively small town in East Texas. And uh, so our, our first intro into self-storage was how do we create cash flow out of an empty, good building, but small building, 7,500 feet. So this is a tiny little footprint. And uh, at the time, there were only a couple of pioneers in kind of the remote management or automation model. And so I modeled my first facility after one of those guys, and uh, it went, went really well. It filled up in seven months and was paying more than the Dollar General had been paying. And so we were, we were like, well, that obviously worked. We should think about making that a business model, not just a one-off idea. And so uh, we spent the next two solid years kind of using that one as a test bed for technology. We tried just about everything, uh, except for maybe a few new things that have hit the market in the last you know, 24 months or something. Um, but we tried every software, every hardware, every customer service tactic I could think of uh, to kind of see what worked uh, so we could go build a business off of it. And then uh, I say we, my business partner David and I, started building a team, started growing uh, a business, raising money. And so we put together our first fund and did uh, about four conversion projects uh, in 2020. Um, and then we immediately went to go raise more money, and we've done uh, 10 so far this year. We've actually got 14 active development projects at the moment, uh, all conversions. We really like conversions. So so that's an amazing story. And a few questions I had to ask is a lot of people sometimes are hesitant to integrate different um, tech solutions into their facilities. But I yeah. like how you said you tried just about everything. Um, was there any apprehension you had about trying these things, like, was it almost like one step back to get two steps forward when you exactly. uh, try to integrate new processes? Because there could be hiccups along the way. Oh man, there's a lot of hiccups. Yeah, no, it was it was very purposeful. It, we we set out to. I, there's a term in in retail real estate. People say mailbox money, right? It's it's true. Triple net retail. You know, you 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 accept a check every every month, and that's about it. They do the rest. We were like, how do we make mailbox money in self storage? And. <laughs> uh, it, it's, you're never going to quite get there. There's a lot more customer service and a lot more things going on in self-storage, but we were, we got pretty close. And so we knew it was going to be painful to try everything to start over. We knew it would be painful on our tenants, but they, they bared with us as we tried different things. And uh, once we found kind of the combination of software, hardware, some, some stuff in-house, some tactics and stuff uh, that was scalable, we went from there. Uh, but yes, it was painful. Um, the most the most painful experience probably was the introduction of uh, uh, automated locks and digital locks. Uh, that that really can frustrate customers when it's not going right. 
And uh, there were many months where it, it didn't quite go right, uh, whether that was a software integration issue, a physical you know, latch or hardware issue, uh, whatever it may have been. Uh, we had to go through that in order to come out on the other side with a, a product and a model we knew was repeatable. So I'm not super familiar with like, the whole digital lock thing. Is that like, almost like a digital key code that you type in just to unlock the, the unit? Or Well, uh, I don't know how you feel about throwing out brands, but I'm just going to throw out kind of what we do uh, for the most part. So uh, we've got a lot of different systems, about seven different software and hardware integrations going in order to kind of create the customer experience that the customer sees. Uh, so from a customer's perspective, it's seamless. Uh, but from a operator's perspective, there's, there's a few different pieces that we're parceling together to make it work. Uh, every single door in our portfolio today has a Noki latch on it, Noki One latch. Um, so that, that's both the front door, the gate, and then of course every individual unit. Um, that Noki One latch has been through a lot of revisions. Uh, the version that I have over here in my office is probably four years old and I'm sure it's got lots of things they've done to it since. Um, but our first implementation of that latch was, I, I'm not going to say the first one, but it might have been one of the first ones in Texas uh, to go live. And uh, so there was a lot of learning curve, uh, both sure. hardware learning curve as well as how it was going to integrate with the website, how it was going to integrate with the property management software, how the tenant's uh, experience with it would be, uh, how intuitive it was to use. Uh, all those things uh, came out pretty strongly the first few months. Great. Was there ever any sort of like pushback on it? Like, I guess what comes to mind is like you, you started from a smaller mm -hmm. market, um, mm -hmm. you said like a smaller facility and there's sort of like a, a personal aspect when people store their belongings, like maybe in more dense urban centers, mm -hmm. you can just set it and forget it in a large facility. But in a smaller market where people's more personal, they know you, they trust you to uh, store their belongings. Was there ever any sort of pushback or people a little bit apprehensive to use technology to store things that are very important to them that have a lot of intrinsic value in their units? Like, hey, not I don't really, trust these not facilities. Really. Or, not really. Okay. I mean, I, yes, there's a one-off, you know, a, a situation where you've got a guy, uh, you know, an older gentleman that's just like, yeah, I don't like this kind of thing. I'm going to move down the street to the other facility that's old school. All right. You know, I'm happily going to give up that one guy to create the, the, the flow and the automation that the rest of the facility is going to enjoy. Uh, but that's like one out of every hundred people maybe, you know, that, that just can't quite get over that. We're, we're pretty heavy on trying to streamline processes. The other thing that we did simultaneously that probably was more pushback than the automation itself was switching to auto pay. Every single customer's on auto pay, 100%. And when we bought that particular facility that I'm talking about right now, uh, probably 12%, 14% of the customers were even on digital payments at all. They were paying cash, check, Got money it. orders. Uh, and so that was probably the most pushback we got from people, people that were used to paying by check and then suddenly, not only do you have to give me your credit card number, you're setting up auto pay. Uh, that was not, um, that was, that took a little while. Now, most of my facilities start with zero tenants, right? It's a conversion redevelopment project. So on day one, the customer comes in with that expectation, no problem. Uh, it's just when you have to change the customer's expectations from something they're used to, that's difficult. Got it. No, thank you for the insight. Um, now, we had another guest on here, Scott Myers, he's huge in the industry, and he mentioned mm -hmm. that conversions are also something he really enjoys in terms of his development pipeline. And with development and acquisitions sort of seeing a downturn, and you know, because of the oncoming recession, have you noticed more investors are excited for conversions? Um, you know, 
existing properties, I think this continue to add value and just turn into yeah. a profitable self-storage facility? You, you'd be amazed that uh, most of the people, so I, I raise money all the time, right? I'm always, I'm always raising money because we're wanting to do, I've got a team of 25 people here and we're churning out two or three opportunities a month and uh, that requires a lot of capital. So I, I guess the point I was gonna make is I'm amazed how many people I'm raising money from have never even thought of a conversion. It's like, what's a con what do you mean a conversion? Uh, you know, and you have to describe it. Hey, I'm taking a formerly retail building or grocery store or uh, you know furniture store or something and converting it into climate controlled storage. And then it clicks, and they're like, oh yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like a good idea. Tell me yeah. why. And so my my thing is always there's there's four reasons I love conversions, and usually you get at least three out of the four, at least in smaller markets. You might get two out of the four in a bigger market. They're typically a faster process. I can go from closing day to a grand opening much, much quicker than a ground up project. Uh, they're usually a much better building. You're getting a brick and mortar building on a hard corner, right? Uh, instead of a ground up single story metal building, if that's what you're building. You may be building a multi-story or something, but uh, you're getting a better location. Typically, you may find a great piece of dirt, but usually a grocery store has great visibility. It's, it's established. There's lots of houses and lots of things around it. And then lastly, and probably most importantly, it's cheaper. Uh, a lot of times it's cheaper. Uh, I can get into that same building for 10, 20, even $30 a foot cheaper than I can build it. Not always, but most of the time. That's awesome. And I'm a big uh, sort of advocate of conversions just because you're, you're taking a piece of unused property that's sitting kind of vacant and you're turning into something that's valuable to the community, valuable to people who live close by, as well as creating a business in the area. So I think that's Absolutely. also a big push for that. Yeah, yeah, we love conversions. We'll do ground up, but uh, I'd say 90% of our stuff is conversions. Now, I remember you said you kind of touched on this, how you got involved in the self-storage. You, you wanted to turn that uh, property into something profitable, but what kind of drew you to self-storage? Um, like what, what brought oh, you into the industry? That's the one, you know, <laughs> just, to, just to be like trying to transparent, I, that's the one question that I'm like, I'm not really sure. I think it goes back to, when I was a kid, uh, my mom worked at a storage facility uh, part-time here and there. And so I, I got to see this facility up in Missouri uh, that a huge, probably five, six, seven hundred unit outdoor facility, but old school, gravel driveways, uh, wooden framed metal buildings, you know, like, uh, and it just seemed so easy. She saw four people a day and, and everyone seemingly was paying who knows you know back then i was <laughs> completely unaware of how it worked uh but i thought it was a good idea and so that was just something that popped in my head when i had an opportunity to do that and you know thank god for the opportunity to uh, basically use someone else's money to build a proof of concept uh that, that that you know that will never be uh more appreciated than it is now as i'm going through this i'm just thinking man i, I got the opportunity to take an idea and go build it uh without having to uh raise the money to try to do it and sacrifice that 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 scary moment right someone else yeah, wanted me to go do it you know that, and that, that's a blessing but uh I, I think it i think it goes back to that i think it was just a little bit of a childhood impression and self self-storage and an interesting relatively easy business um because it needed to be easy because it was three hours of my from my office i wasn't going to be out there every day uh yeah. and then on top of that um it needed to be remote and I had heard of some guys in the industry and there's only, at that time in 2018, there really were only a couple uh, that were doing anything worth 
talking about. And uh, so I got to go visit one of those guys, and he was he was like a mentor and really and really showed me how to do it. And we basically copied him the first time. Uh, since then, it's gone through several revisions, and our and our model is definitely different today than it was back then. Uh, but it's uh, essentially the same concept: uh, self service. You're trying to create self service for the customer. Right. And one thing I really admire about what you're saying is that you, you're very transparent about it. It took it was a process. You know, it took a few renditions, a two few versions to get it right to get a model that you could replicate and scale. And so with that in mind, from your position where you own and operate and manage so many facilities, from a reporting point of view, what are some metrics that you would kind of want to see on a high level, on a, like at a report level, just easy to comprehend that maybe you don't have access to right now, like on your wish list um, <laughs> down the line so when people create yeah. it? It, I think it's because the data doesn't exist today. I, I'd say the thing, the one thing I'm excited to know, because today it's a hunch, uh, is under this exact model, because no one's quite doing it at scale like this. People are doing it very similarly, but um, how many managers will it take to, to really scale this? How many facilities mm -hmm. can a single customer service manager who's here in my office taking the calls? Uh, feeling the, the the things they need, changing out their auto pay card, moving them in, whatever the thing may be. How many uh, facilities can a single person handle? I think it's one for eight. That's my that's my hunch uh, under this model. Now you need local help. Don't get me wrong. It's it's remote managed. It's not it's not uh, unmanned. We we don't like the word unmanned. Uh, but but at the same time, I think it's one for eight. But I haven't proven that yet because I would need about four times the facilities I have to really scale that in a way to get good data out of it. And so give me a couple more years. <laughs> Great. Well, we'll circle back then. But no, I appreciate that. And to your point, you know, having this remote model is great because you can bounce around and keep everyone busy, make sure that the calls do come in at the same time. And the customers don't have a wavering experience. Exactly. Exactly. And people love it. Uh, I think we've changed customers' expectations. They, they really do appreciate the ability to uh, serve themselves and help themselves to what they need in the moment that they need it, you know, regardless of that, what time of day it is. And, th and that's actually probably the biggest impact that this thing makes in the scalability is the ability to say, hey, you can rent a unit anytime you want because we don't have to be there for you to do it. You get off work at seven o'clock, you know, all my other competitive facilities in most markets are just closed. So come over here and rent a unit. You can move right in. That, that's, that's a big deal. They like, feel like you've created a system that kind of like wins for all parties involved. You know, like the you can do it remote, you can manage it remotely, and the customer doesn't have any you know, drawbacks in the experience. Like you said, access all throughout the day. Right. Exactly. And, and similar to some of the other guys in the industry, you have to give them a a person to talk to when they do need help. Yeah. Uh, and so we make sure we have we we offer that here in house with our guys. They're there twelve hours a day, seven days a week, or more uh, to handle anything that may be needed. But it's such a small call volume of people that actually need help. Uh, now, do you credit that because you've been able to answer a lot of their questions and like make a process where they shouldn't have too many questions for you? Yes, exactly. So, so by there's a there's a number of things you do. Have a great website with everything very very intuitive. That that's the number one thing. After you've created a great website with a good rental process, find the pain points over and over and over and over. Over the last you know three years, we've been able to say okay. This is something people call about a lot. Let's go figure out how we can answer their question before they ask it, right? And so we've, we've been able to do that with good signage on site, with uh, tweaks and updates to our software and to our website, 
uh, with working with some of our vendors like like the Noki product to make sure that the app is more intuitive and the questions that people were calling about the app were getting answered before they had to call and ask. And so now we're down to basically calls for real things like, hey, my credit card expired. I want to update it. And I, right. you know, I'm i on the road and I don't want to use your website because you could do it on the website, but yeah. you know, whatever. Or um, you know, hey, there's a physical issue with the door. It's not closing, you know, or whatever it may be. Uh, those kind of calls make it through. But the number of calls that people people do for, hey, do you have a 10 by 10? I, basically, we don't receive that call anymore. That that, that, that doesn't exist. So you can handle those with like the FAQ questions, or to your point, just things along the way. So yeah, or the website, right? As long as you make it easy enough, it's like a. It's like ordering something on Amazon. You know, it's very intuitive. People jump on and they just see, hey, there's a five by five. That's how big it is. I understand that. It's got a quick little uh, time lapse video on someone loading up a five by five. They can see what fits. They can, and they can make sure they're picking the right unit. And then the rental process is like five minutes. You know, you're you're done in five minutes. So, what is your role in the whole ecosystem now? Is it mainly focused towards like uh, acquiring new properties, raising money, like you said, or do you still sort of, sort of Play a hand in the management and operation side at all. Like what's your data? Yeah, so it, it's a it's a whirlwind. You're going to, we're growing a business over here. So uh, there's a, I've got a partner. We both. He's an incredible partner. He's a, one of the smartest people I know, and uh, we tag team it pretty well. But we're both have our hands in every department to some degree. Uh, at one point, just two plus years ago, uh, we were doing it all, and now we've got. Uh, professional construction managers and architects and, uh, you know, title attorneys and all sorts of things in the office here helping us do it. And that's great because they're way smarter than we are. But uh, we still have to manage the, the growth of the company. So he, he handles a lot of the operations stuff. He's got a background in software engineering and he really gets some of the software tech side of things. Um, I'm usually out raising money and, and working with my development team on the development projects and timelines. Uh, and then we're both in acquisitions all the time because we're We've, at any one time, we've usually got three or four things under contract, sometimes four or five things under contract. Got it. What is your biggest like pain point? Like what aspect of that, of all those like, kind of um, responsibilities you just outlined takes up the bulk of your time that you think that you, know, you would love to sort of create more efficiently right now? Uh, I think it's mostly just growing pains. I, I don't think there's anything I can point out and say, uh, you know, that needs to be corrected or addressed. It's just... Yeah. Uh, you're, you're growing a team, you're, you're getting people on board with the overall growth trajectory, and uh, and it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, but we're going, we went again from having him and I trying to build a facility as a, basically as a general contractor to having real general contractors in the office working for us. And that makes a night and day difference, obviously, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're able to achieve so much more, so much more quickly. Uh, but you know, the, the big picture is probably what I spend most of my time on and uh, making sure each department understands kind of the, the big picture, not just the, the little thing that we're working on that day. That shared vision, that always kind of improving your guys' like model and system so it can be scaling exactly. and improving all the time. Yeah. So what would be some advice you have for people who are on the fence about getting to the self-source industry? Obviously, it's unfavorable economic conditions right now, so some people are a little nervous to make any new business ventures or to invest in a, a project. Uh, do you have any advice for people right now? Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'll just tell you where I'm at. I'm, uh, I'm not afraid of the industry at the moment. Yes, it's a, it's an, it's an industry time. It's an interesting time. Uh, interest rates are ridiculously high. Uh, finding good debt on projects has been difficult. Um, 
but but we're excited about where it's going right now. Uh, those people that uh, maybe aren't as good of operators and they're kind of on the fence on one of that where they want to hold on to their asset in this troubling time. I'm, I'm ready to go buy those assets. So we're excited about the kind of where that changes, you know, those people that are ready to, to let go of their facilities over this next year as the market changes. Um, but, but I guess the advice I would give somebody is, is don't be afraid to jump in. There's a lot of information out there that's free. Uh, people that will help you. Half of what we've learned is just, People being nice and sharing information. This industry is really friendly. Uh, uh, go go find a good developer you like, or go find a good operator you like, or a software company, and they'll give you a lot of free advice. And that's usually really good advice. Um, I, I owe a lot of what our first model was to just somebody who let me basically copy what they did. And uh, you know, that's, I'm going to be forever grateful for that first you know, venture and, and being able to basically just copy what someone else had done, and that we knew would work, and it did. So um, uh, don't be afraid of the industry. It's, it's a great industry. It's really fun, and technology is bringing all sorts of opportunity to it. Great. Well, John, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I loved hearing about your story. I really like your approach to it, about always improving integrating processes that help everybody win. And thank you yeah. for that last little bit, too, for anybody who's on the fence. And feel free to yeah, reach cool. out to Jonah, too. We'll include his information. You guys can get in contact. I'm looking forward to seeing where Smart Lock Cell Storage is in a couple of years. So. Yeah, we're, we're in a few states now, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep it on a map. We'll show you where we're going. It's pretty exciting. Great. Looking forward Thank to you, James. It. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. See you later.